Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Pennsylvania Stands Up podcast, news you can use. It's about people, power, and politics. I am, again, not your host, Pele Ergang Layden, but simply Dr. Ashley Strange, they and he pronouns the director of narrative and communication for Pennsylvania Stands Up. And today, I'm very excited uh, to be joined by our special guest, Alec Walker-Serrano. He's a NEPA Stands Up volunteer leader uh, with NEPA's uh, LGBTQ plus com uh, committee, comms committee, and labor committee uh, to talk about organizing in Northeast PA. Uh, it's uh, a bit of a, uh, it's a, it's a, they takeover. So it's a, it's a takeover. <laughs> Alec, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. I'm so happy to be here, Ash. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk about some, some news, uh, stuff that's been in the news. Um, uh, and in organizing news, uh, the orcas, uh, are, are taking over. Um, there is, uh, and I got this from, from real sources. As a doctor, I went to the scientificamerican.com. There are killer whales in a group near Spain and Portugal that may be teaching one another to mess with small votes, small boats. Uh, they sank their third vessel uh, earlier in the month of May, and they have only continued. And to my knowledge, uh, they have uh, continued uh sinking boats together it, it it's it's unprecedented like that these orcas uh i don't know if they prefer to be called killer whales that's that's probably something that i that feel like that's a little derogatory orcas yeah. we'll stick with orcas <laughs> A hundred percent. I will. I, I apologize to the, the marine community uh, for my oversight. Um, but I don't have you heard about this? I have. Um, I really like when nature fights back against like capitalism. So I think it's pretty cool to see whales taking it upon themselves to be like, um, we live here. You can't come in here with your boats and mess our stuff up. Um, so I think it's pretty interesting. And it just goes to show how smart animals are. Lot smarter than we give them credit for. A hundred percent. Humans have uh, created the ability, like you know, we're we're supposed to be land mammals, and we've kind of manufactured the ability to to get into water and air <laughs> and space. So uh, when when it comes to uh, when it comes to actually like taking over spaces we we colonize we we colonize as a species it's just kind of what we do yeah yeah we we do do that um <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know um i i'm a big fan of like marine wildlife so i get i get particularly like upset when people mess with the ocean uh because you're right we're like not meant to be in the ocean that's just not our space um but I like, I like that the orcas are fighting back because um, they have the power to do so. They're like several tons in weight. So. As, as a bit of a heavy person myself, I, I, I can identify with that. But also they have the same, they have the same uh, view on uh, intruders and colonizers that I do when, when there are, are spiders. Spiders are cool. Like. Uh, some of the jumping ones, they have the little faces and they're very cute. But like, if it's 
if it's past my threshold, if it's inside my house, my brother in Christ, you got to get out of here. This is not your space. I, I must take decisive action against you. But if I am in the spider space, which is anywhere that is not my house, anywhere in the great out of doors, I'm like, all right, this, this belongs to you. I can't, I can't do it. I, uh, I like the spiders in my house because they eat the other bugs that are like way more gross to me. Like ones with lots of legs, more than eight legs. It's like too many legs for me. So I, I like the spiders. They can, they can hang out in the corner and eat the other bugs. I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, it, when I lived in Alaska, uh, we, we don't have, we don't have tiny poisonous things. Do you have, have, do you have like insects in Alaska? <laughs> Is that a silly question? <laughs> we have mosquitoes. We have mosquitoes like the size of your hand. That's like uh, the last insect I would expect that you would have in Alaska is mosquitoes. All right. It is, it is the state bird. Uh, and uh, fun fact, uh, you know, uh, we will all, they will become uh, immune to uh, bug spray in, in our lifetimes, which is just, you know, another way to, to say that like nature is just going to take over and, and there's very little that we can do about it. Um, and I think the, the, the big thing about organizing with the orcas is that uh, they say that it originated with uh, a small group of orcas, um, one orca and then two of her offspring. And uh, she, they, you know, they had been following this one orca and it looked like she had some, uh, like some damage, like some rudder damage um, or that she was caught in a net at some point. And so when, when she was caught in a net or, or mistreated by humans in some way, she took that as like a catalyst, as like her jumping off point. She's like, this has to end and I'm going to end it. And I'm going to teach all of these other orcas how to end it. And um, at first it, it looked like a fad. Uh, this article in the Scientific American said that much like in humans, there are fads that hop up in the animal community and they all start with, with juveniles, uh, you know, much like a, a TikTok trend. So this is really like a, an orca TikTok trend <laughs> of, of uh, biting, the, biting the holes of boats and, and causing them to sink. And, and specifically they're going after like yachts they know who to go after. They they know they know who deserves to be eaten. Uh, uh, and and um, I believe and I you know I I'm a doctor but I'm not a scientist. I I saw that in in this month in June uh, there were dolphins and and other uh, other marine mammals that are exhibiting the same tendencies closer to the coast of Florida. So we can see that like organizing starts small and you feel like you're the only fish in the sea. And then all you got to do is share your knowledge, share your power, and uh, we can take over. Cross-species organizing is, that's, that's something. That's like actually really cool. Um, I love that. I hope, I hope more marine animals join in. Maybe the manatees will start like bumping into some stuff or uh, Oh my gosh, sharks? I cannot wait. I Sharks cannot wait for boats? this. Yes. I I cannot wait for this rendition of Planet of the Apes to just be all about marine mammals. I can see like a David Attenborough special happening. I can we can see the dolphins and the orcas have teamed up to go after the billionaires. Like 
Uh, the male of the species seems to be more frightened, uh, especially the ones that seem to have more monetary value. Uh, <laughs> I am also very excited to see this. Uh, and uh, if David Attenborough is listening to News You Can Use, uh, then please. Then I apologize uh, for the terrible impression I just did. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure somebody in the Attenborough clan is is paying close attention to what happens in in Pennsylvania um, and uh, in other deep sea news. Uh, we uh, this is this is hot off the presses. Just just a few hours ago, as of the time that we're recording this, um, uh, the 96 hour uh, mark has passed for uh, the the tiny submarine uh, full of. Uh, rich people that had gone down to uh, to view the Titanic. Uh, so there's a, a very little hope um, that uh, that those folks will be found alive. And it's uh, I, I thread I thread the needle carefully here, Alec, <laughs> um, because uh, uh, we know that you know that you can't put a cost on on human life, and 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 loss of life is is incredibly disturbing. And we know that there are other lives that are being lost in the ocean. Um, you know, uh, especially uh, there are refugees uh, fleeing Europe uh, and, you know, fleeing other countries every day trying to find shelter. And, you know, they are being, uh, uh, you know, their boats are going down and, and people aren't finding them. Uh, you're, you're a youngster. So, but when I was a kid, Elian Gonzalez uh, was, was all the, all the rage. It was all over the news that this that this young boy had been picked up off the coast of Cuba, but the whole rest of his family had had died in a in a boating accident fleeing Cuba. Um, and so, as we look to see how people are going to respond to um, to people who have gone to the depths of the ocean for fun and uh, people who uh, are traversing the oceans trying to find a better life. I, I think that there's like a there's a, a there's a gray line in there somewhere where we have to say like where can we best use our resources? Um, and I'm I'm gonna read this I'm gonna read this uh, this tweet from Jane Eyre Jordan, probably not her real name, but uh, it's dying in an ocean as deep as your pockets in a vessel as tiny as the shanty houses you turned your noses up at, in a darkness as expansive as your ego, going to see the final resting place of the souls whom you disturbed with your curiosity, but they still eagerly welcomed you. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um, I, I think it really just like, it is strange. Um, like I was sitting at home watching the coverage of of this going down, and it was like th literally like three straight hours of just there's five people in this vessel underwater that you know they chose to go, they knew the risks of going, and it's like there's so many more important things going on right now that could be covered. You know, you can still talk about it. I think it's still important to bring up you know industries that aren't regulated where people are at risk of, of being hurt like that's definitely an issue um but to talk about five people when when you're talking about migrants which is literally millions of pe people risking their lives because they don't have any other choice it definitely just feels like 
like media is disconnected from reality and what actually matters to people. Um, Cause I was interested in the story, but I, I wasn't interested enough to like sit and listen to it for three hours straight. Uh, I was waiting for something else to be talked about. So. Well, and I think that there's like kind of a, a, a not too fine a take on it that, you know, like we, we all want to, uh, uh, we all want to live in a world where we can thrive enough to do fun stuff to, you know, go out and like experience nature. Uh, this, this has taken it first to an extreme. Uh, and, and second, like there are so many regulations that to just keep people safe. And, and this is how, uh, you know, to, to stretch uh, that limit. This is how like good government can you know make sure that we're all living our lives very well and and government can be used for good in this case uh, i i feel like i i feel like whoever was supposed to be regulating this might have been asleep on the job um but uh thank you so much for for talking to me about uh the depths of the ocean um one last thought that i had was that um you know if if they if the orcas had anything to do with this um I, 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 th I think that um, I, I think that it might be part of their their long term goal. Um, so you know, uh, and we're and we're here to help them. <laughs> so if if there's a side to be taken, I'm I'm on the side of the orcas. Uh, but thank you for for traversing the deep sea with me on this. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna move into the the conversation about about you. This is, uh, this is episode eight. We're so excited. Um, it's not the first time you've been on a podcast, but, uh, you know, tell, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, name, pronouns, where do you live? And like, what, what got you into this work? Uh, my name is Alec Walker Serrano. Uh, my parents made it difficult by hyphenating it. Um, I, I appreciate the name, but sometimes it's a little annoying. <laughs> my pronouns are he, they, um, and I, I literally got involved with Lipa Stands Up because I, somebody like met me on the street, like it, somebody just bumped into me and they were like, do you want to be involved with us? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, so it's, it's kind of a funny story, actually. Um, I, it was like shortly after the Dobbs decision leaked. Um, and I, like many other people was really frustrated and like, just I felt like hopeless um and I didn't see anybody rallying in my area uh which is Scranton I missed that I'm from Scranton Pennsylvania um and so I was like you know what I'll just do it I'll I'll have a rally I don't really know very many people but my sister helped me and a few close friends helped me and it just happened to be the same day as a March for Our Lives rally same day same time same place so I had this crowd already like hostage there. Um, so I went up to the organizers and I was like, I was, I'm doing something for like reproductive rights. Do you think you can like have people like mosey on over this way when you guys are done? They're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, and that's where I met Holly, who is the organizing director of NEPA Stands Up. Uh, she saw me speak and she was like, I thought you were fantastic do you want a job? And I was like, I need a job. <laughs> so yeah, if it's a job doing something that truly matters, that's even better. And then here I am. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
you said that you you got involved because of the Dobbs decision. You didn't see anybody doing anything in Scranton. Is that is that what Scranton is like typically? Like, are, are there uh, you know are there rallies on the street every other weekend, uh, or or is it is it a little quieter? Um, I would say it's a little quieter. I so I grew up in that area, but I was also away for six years in Binghamton, New York, when I was going to school. Um, so I came back uh, almost two years ago now. Um, and definitely when I left, I did not see any sort of progressive movement in the area. I felt very alone in my views. Um, so coming back, there's definitely like, I feel like rumblings. There's people starting to, to be active. Um, I just didn't happen to see anything on my radar. And I just felt like somebody needed to do something. Uh, but at the same time, like people were there for something else. That's also really important to to talk about gun violence and, and how to prevent it. So uh, I think that there's like a lot of fertile ground in Scranton and that people are really fed up with how things are and want to do something about it. And they just need some help getting to the right people and into organizing, um, so. And, and so you consider yourself an activist? Yes, I definitely. And I'm, I'm the son of two activists. So it's kind it's a little bit in my blood. It's kind of surprising actually that it took me this long. Like I'm 25 and I was never really involved in anything. I was very outspoken about my own views, but I never really sought out organizations or anything like that until last summer. So, so even, so what, what kind of activists? Like you're the son of two activists. Like what? What, so, what did they do? So my mom uh, was an animal rights activist. Uh, she had her own organization called Families Against Cruelty Together. Uh, so like growing up, I would watch her. Like she would speak in front of like city council. She would be on the news all the time. Uh, we would be out protesting. Like according to her, I don't remember this, but this is one of the first times I ever protested. I'm like two years old. And um, I have some like flyers and I'm going up to people and stamping my foot and demanding that they take one because uh, I didn't talk <laughs> at that point in time. I was a very silent child, but I was still very demanding. So I would stomp my foot and be like, take this paper. And people couldn't say no. I'm two years old. I'm adorable. Um, so that's kind of how I got started with it. Um, but then my dad also is a lifelong union member and feels very strongly about labor rights. So um, whenever there was like a wildcat strike or something going on, like, you know, he'd go to DC with his union um, to be a part of it and has always been very vocal with me about economic justice and racial justice. So I feel like I had a really good foundation to like get into this kind of thing. I was just maybe a little nervous that I didn't really know what I was doing exactly. Right. And, and I think that the, the message that, that you want people to, to know is take your two-year-olds to that rally yeah. uh, and, and, and give them a role. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So uh, you said that, uh, you know, with the Dobbs decision, uh, with the, um, uh, with it, it looked like at first, so this was before they had actually overturned Roe v. Wade. Uh, so that was kind of your your catalyst. What? Why did why did you care so much about that? Um, I think bodily autonomy is just something that's really important to me for like a couple of reasons. One, I'm assigned female at birth, so I'm someone who can get pregnant, 
and two, I'm trans and I wanna be able to do what I want with my own body to make me feel at home in it. Um, and pregnancy is one of the scariest things I can imagine for myself. Um, to get a little bit deep, like, you know, when I was still having a monthly menstruation, I would get really, really depressed, like horribly depressed during it. Um, and just like that reminder that like this anatomy does not match how I feel and who I am was really distressing. So the idea of like being pregnant is genuinely probably my biggest fear actually. Uh, so the thought that I would not have a choice if I got pregnant um, to have an abortion, which I think is my right, really just like, uh, it just really upset me. Like I, I remember reading the, the leak because like my phone gets alerts for the news. And I, I, I felt so like overwhelmed with emotion that I had to like sit down, like I couldn't even stand up. Um, so I think it was just sort of that visceral reaction that like my body is not my own or they're trying to make it so that my body is not my own. And that was just too much for me to handle without doing something about it. And you did something. I did and, something. And, and and you did something. How did how did that make you feel? Like that was, you know, it wasn't the first protest you'd been to, but you know, it was a was that the first one that you'd organized? Yes, that was the first protest I organized and the first one I'd ever like spoken at. Um and I wrote out something that was like like I talked about my personal experience. Like I was very open with people and I even cried while I was speaking actually because I was still so upset. Um and like people loved that like they they embraced the authenticity and I think it made me a lot less afraid to like be open about why these things matter to me because we're all human beings and like the personal is political the political is personal and sometimes I feel like a lot of like politicians don't acknowledge that it's very like cookie cutter kind of talk and uh, it felt really good to be authentic with people who embraced it and were supportive of, of me. Um, cause I was, I was really scared. I was, I was terrified. Like leading up to it, I was talking to my sister and my friends like, Oh my God, nobody's going to show up. Like, oh, this is going to be terrible. Uh, and then I just lucked out and there was already a crowd there. <laughs> so. I mean, I think it was, it might've been more than luck. Like there were, there are a lot of people for whom there are just like these big, catalysts right and so like there there's a period of time and that's where the term woke comes from where you feel like you're sleeping you're just going through the motions and then something happens and you wake up and you want to get involved um and so like i feel like a lot of people might have had kind of the the same feeling uh and especially in in COVID times people people are sick of doom scrolling they want to do something and so now you've gone from you know leading this leading this march to to actually doing something you're you're the chair hopefully you're 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 making sure to 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 take your time you know not not sign up for a million things at once but you know uh, uh nipa stands up is is pretty it's pretty new um uh, it started out as as people for bernie uh from what i remember nipa for bernie uh you know back back in the day uh and uh not back in the 70s but you know uh there, there might have been one there too um but but what what do you know about about uh, uh nipa nipa history uh nipa stands up history or nipa okay nipa stands up history so like i joined in the summer 
And my understanding is that when I joined, NEPA Stands Up had only been NEPA Stands Up for about like six months. Um, so you're right, it was born out of um, NEPA for Bernie, people who had worked on Bernie's campaign in the area. And then that became NEPA for Change, I believe is the name of it. Um, and I'm not really sure how NEPA for Change found PA Stands Up, but I'm very glad that they did. Um, and so we just kind of merged with PA Stands Up um, because we align on the things that we believe in and want to work on. Um, so it's cool to be part of an organization that is like pretty young. Uh, I feel like I have a big stake in it, which is really exciting. Um, and I just want to get more people involved. Like I feel like there's just so much opportunity to to get people on board um, and to work with us. And and you saw you saw that there were a lot of people that want to get involved and want to make change this summer. Like after Holly got in touch with you and said, "Hey, do you want a job?" What was that job? That job was canvassing. Um, so we canvassed for seven weeks. I believe it was. Um, to try to get an initiative on the ballot in Lackawanna County that would end the use of solitary confinement in the Lackawanna County prison. Um, and I think that was a really important experience for me because going into it, I was like, I'm from NEPA, like people aren't going to be on board with this. And then the vast majority of people I spoke to were like, this is terrible. How is this still happening? Of course, I'm going to sign your petition. And I was like, wait, where am I? <laughs> like, I was just, I was very pleasantly surprised by how much people care about their neighbors who are incarcerated. Um, and it, it just kind of gave me the drive to like, know that I wanted to keep being in this organization and keep doing, doing the work with NEPA Stands Up because I don't know, I just, I realized that like, maybe things aren't as hopeless as I thought that they were. And how many people signed that petition? Over 13,000 people signed it, and we only needed like 8,500 to get on the ballot. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of people signed it. Yeah, and I think that that, that just goes to show that like in, in a lot of like far-flung areas, you know, like a, a, a lot of our, just a little a little background, like a lot of our chapters, uh, we've got, you know, NEPA stands up, we've got Burke stands up, Lancaster stands up, Lehigh Valley stands up. We've got a lot of these chapters are kind of in, in cities uh, where it's surrounded by like rural areas. And you've, you've lived in Scranton for a while. Like that's, that's, that's accurate, yeah? Yeah, so I actually, I didn't grow up in Scranton. I grew up in a suburb of Scranton half the time with my mom. And then my dad lived in a little place called Factoryville, which is the middle of nowhere like in the middle of the woods a dirt road that didn't have a sign on it for like ever like it's just like it was just a dirt road um so yeah and that's only like 20 minutes outside of Scranton like 20 minutes outside you're you're in the middle of the woods you're in the boonies um so there's definitely a very like interesting sort of culture I guess in a lot of Pennsylvania because like you said a lot of Pennsylvania is like that where like there's these kind of smallish mid-sized cities but then right outside of it there's cornfields and forests and tractors on the road so <laughs> right and like when and it, for for folks that live out there sometimes uh you know we tell people that you know yard signs don't vote when it comes to to candidates and things like that but but sometimes in these areas we will see a lot of 
you know, let's go Brandon flags. Uh, we will see like a lot of Confederate flags uh, uh, out in those areas. And so I feel like even though I know the community that I'm in, every single time I, I drive a little bit out of town and I see one of those, it kind of sets me back and say like, oh, I'm, I'm alone here. Uh, and, and you're saying that this experience uh, made you feel the opposite of that. Tell me, tell me about that. Tell me how that's, how that's changing for you. Um, I mean, I remember growing up and having people be you know, pretty openly like homophobic or transphobic or like make racist jokes all the time. And it was, that was just sort of like the background noise of growing up in Northeastern Pennsylvania. And I think now the average person, even if they're not like woke a hundred percent, they're starting to sort of like question things and like take stock of how they think about other people and treat other people. Um, so even when I interact with, you know, folks on the other side, like who like consider themselves Republican or conservative, even those people are a lot easier to talk to than like I would have anticipated. Um, and like actually don't care that much that I'm like queer or that I'm like the son of an immigrant or like that my dad is Mexican. Like they just don't really care. They're like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, like, let's move on. Um, so they might not have the knowledge of like what's going on, but I think they have the spirit of like community and wanting to just like be a decent person to other people, which is where you start. So. A hundred percent. And when you start from that place of, of, just there's more that unites us than divides us it it can really it can shake the mountains it can shake the Poconos if you know what I'm saying <laughs> so don't you know oh yeah oh yeah the Poconos <laughs> <laughs> uh you've got um you know now that now that you know you you have like that campaign kind of under your belt and you know we're we're still in we're still in the process of trying to trying to get people out of solitary confinement. It's going to be a long, hard fight. We know that there are a lot of people that are have enough power that are against us that they were able to keep it from happening. So we just have to keep pushing. But, um, you know, what is your role in NEPA Stands Up? So up until very recently, I was the communications director, uh, which was a lot of fun. And I'm glad I got the experience, but now I am chairing the LGBTQ committee, which we've just formed just in the last couple of weeks. Um, and then other than that, I'm pretty involved in like anything that we do. Um, we have a, a labor committee. We haven't done a ton of work with that yet, but there is a lot to be done in Northeastern Pennsylvania. We have a really rich history of union organizing. And I think that NEPA people still have like that kind of spirit of like billionaires don't serve all of the money that they're hoarding and we deserve so much more. Now, have you gotten your dad into the labor committee? <laughs> I haven't, but I should. He's a little shy. Uh, he was he was on the news once though at like a, it was one of those Biden, um, it was like a drive-in, like because it was like mid, mid COVID. So that everybody's like driving in to see, <laughs> to see Biden. 
Uh, and he spoke because he was there like on behalf of his union and I was very proud because uh, he's just not that type of guy usually. Um, but yeah, I, you're right. I should I should ask him uh, about joining. <laughs> Well, and, you know, Biden, you know, we're about to go into 20, I say we're about to go into 2024, we still got six months left, six months behind us in this I year. mean, the first six months went by so fast, so <laughs> we're almost in 2024. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, you know, we've already had, uh, you know, the 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 wildfire smoke and, you know, the, the orcas are, are taking over the seas and see, you know, what, what other crazy things can happen? Luckily, I got my Mpox vaccine at a at a Pride last week. Uh, nothing like nothing like getting a shot uh, with with a bunch of people that are like drinking around you. <laughs> um, it's like take a shot or or get a shot. Uh, it's, either way, either way. Um, but uh, you know, twenty twenty four is is upon us faster faster than we know. And uh, some folks might know that uh, young young Joseph young Joseph Robinette was born in Scranton. Uh, uh, they say that uh, they say that the office uh, has been renamed the Oval Office, and by they I mean no one. No one has said that. <laughs> uh, but uh, but being in a in a place that you know has has birthed uh, the the current president of the United States, uh, knowing knowing what you know about the your even your personal historical. Uh, political past with NEPA like what do you give me your your wildest speculations about 2024 oh boy um my wildest speculations I really think that Biden is unfortunately going to be the nominee uh I think he will sweep Scranton just like he did last time uh even though like there's really not a ton of like yay Biden energy in this area. We're just very we just vote blue in Scranton, um, but I, I'm I'm not looking forward to it. I, I really think it's going to be another Trump v Biden or possibly DeSantis v Biden, which is more horrifying to me personally because I think DeSantis has a better chance of winning against Biden. Um, not that I want Biden to be my president for another four years, but if those are the two options, I'm going to pick the lesser of two evils. Uh, I would really love to see like a third party candidate though, like do really well because I think we're ready for it. Um, this is a democracy and it feels more like a dictatorship of two parties than a democracy. I think a lot of people feel that way. So. Well, and you know, there's there are some uh, there are some rumblings about uh, changing our our primaries to being open open primaries. Uh, but tell me a little bit more about why why you're not gung ho gung ho for Biden. Why I'm not riding for Biden? Um, I think that he's does not go far enough. Um, when it comes to labor activism, when it comes to standing up for the trans community who's being attacked at every angle right now, um, he's just a bunch of like nice words. It's, it's almost like it, he gives me the same vibe that people give me when they say, oh, thoughts and prayers when like kids get shot and killed in school. That's what I feel from him whenever he talks about basically anything. It's like, that really sucks. I'm not going to do anything about it, but that really sucks. Um, I would like somebody who actually does something for working class people um, 
and doesn't just give me a bunch of pleasantries. And I think that so, that's, yeah. that's part of being a progressive is that, you know, Biden like has done um, a lot like the, the, the IRA, not the, the Irish one, but the, the this one, <laughs> the, the relief, like the, you know, the, the COVID relief, like the, the money that's going into communities, you know, the, um, the student loan uh, cancellation, but these aren't things that he just came up with. These are things that he was pushed by progressives to do. And so, you know, when when people say, uh, you know, I'm not even going to say people. When you when you say that, you know, like you're you're not super excited about him being there, is that partially because like you're tired of like asking, you're tired of, of begging and, and you want somebody in there that's just going to get it already. Yeah. I, I don't think that like basic necessities are things that should be asked for when we are the richest country on the planet. Uh, it just sort of like, it like boggles my mind to the point where like, it's almost funny because it feels like I'm on like a prank show like we have all of this money and all of this power and then we have all of these people in poverty and I can't afford rent so I live with my parents and I can't find a job that pays enough for me to pay off my student loans and like I can't afford groceries <laughs> like just things that should not be be happening um and they don't have to happen and I think it's really frustrating yeah to just have somebody or not just somebody but many people in office who don't want to do the actual work, even though I think that most working class people are very loud about the things that they need. Like, we need healthcare, we need a living wage, uh, we need housing. It's really not that that difficult, and it can be done, and other countries do it. Um, so I'm sick of hearing that it can't happen here, for whatever reason. Yeah, it, it absolutely can. And I think that when, when it comes to, to the Scranton boy, who, who's who's in the White House now? You know, uh, it, it's it's important to to say that it's important to say you know like, Yo, look how far he's come. Look, somebody from Scranton could make it here. And it's also important to say that like we need so much more than just representation. We need so much more than just you know sorrows, prayers. <laughs> we really <laughs> we really need uh, political courage in this moment. And so I, for me, myself, if I can see uh, Joe Biden take on more of those dark Brandon qualities uh, that made him want to uh, that made him want to move on on student loan cancellation that made him want to move on um, on the build back better agenda. Like if if we can get more of that uh, in in this second term, then, uh, yes, I will. Uh, it, I won't be so much riding for Biden as I will be Biden my time uh, for for somebody else to come along. I, I hope that at least somebody who is really progressive challenges him in the primaries. I know Bernie has like very quickly was like, no, I'm out, uh, which is disappointing because I think he is a big part of the reason why Biden was forced to be like pushed left on certain issues. Um so I'd like to see somebody really progressive push him. Uh, and I also wish maybe he would just recognize that if he were to openly be more progressive and push for these policies, how much more popular he would be. Um, because we saw how popular Bernie was. Um, and really Biden's just, I don't know, doing this for the establishment and not for 
the people who are actually voting him into office. It would be really happy if he went a little further left. A hundred percent. And, you know, there are good things to look forward to, especially in NEPA, you know, because uh, the, the president can can only do so much. But you've got local folks that are uh, that are running for office, that are running for, for county seats, for city seats. Uh, and, and these are people with political courage. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, one of them that you're very excited to to elect? Uh, Jessica Rothschild, who's already part of Scranton City Council, uh, she was the first uh, LGBTQ person ever to be elected to Scranton City Council, which is a really big deal, I think, around here. Um, she also successfully helped ban conversion therapy in the city of Scranton. Um, I think she's fantastic. She's very tuned in to, to what people need because she's one of us. I don't feel like there is any sort of disconnect. Uh, it's really easy to talk to her. Like, I'll see her at the gym. Um, like, she's just a very approachable, real person who cares about her community um, and is a part of, like, actions that we take. Like, we had a march for trans liberation, and Jessica was there um, and, you know, spoke briefly, but was also like, I don't really want to take away time from trans and non-binary people. But I was like, I want you to speak because you're an ally, like, you're a real ally to us. And I think people deserve to know who you are, that that you care enough to, like, be part of this 60 person march and you don't even want anyone to like acknowledge that you're there kind of thing which i thought was really sweet um that she i don't know she just gets allyship um which makes sense she's part of part of the community um but yeah i'm really excited about her and i really hope that she gets reelected because she's fantastic and i trust her and believe in her to fight for people in scranton awesome um now there's, uh, you, like you just said, there was just like a, a, a trans, uh, you did the Trans Day of Visibility. Um, there was the, the trans, uh, trans Rage March. Wait, what was it called? Uh, March for, <laughs> so March for Trans Liberation. But yeah, I, I was full of a lot of rage. I was doing a lot of screaming. Yes, the fun. pictures, uh, you, know, you know what, we're gonna link, we're gonna link to a couple of those pictures in the, in the show notes uh, to, to let people see you in action. Um, and and so, so those are some great things that, uh, that you, along with NEPA Stands Up, uh, uh, really helped to, to push. What are some events, what events will people find you at uh, in the next couple of weeks? Uh, we will be at Pride Fest in Wilkes-Barre uh, this Sunday. So we'll have a table there, I'll be there talk to me <laughs> um and that i think that's like the only thing y'all got any membership meetings coming up or anything like that we do have our next general meeting which is going to be a potluck so that'll be really fun because you get to eat food you were about to um, not get... mention free food on the podcast <laughs> and i was gonna have to censure you free food um yeah that'll be at neog park on july 5th at 6 p.m um we'll just be hanging out eating food probably grilling um so y'all should definitely check that out because it'll be a really chill meeting uh it'll be one of our first that's like in person um again uh we have had a lot of them over zoom and i think just in person is is so much better um to connect with people and when I, they're like actually right in front of you yeah and i think that holly has said several times that like the vibe that she wants from uh kind of from people at NEPA stands up is that like when you become a member, you're not just like a, a member of an organization, but like you have built-in friends. So that if if the if you know if you are in 
uh, uh, Nipa, if you are in, you know, Scranton or Wilkes, Barra Barra Barra, uh, <laughs> then, uh, and, and you kind of feel alone and, and you, you're surrounded by Confederate flags and, and let's go Brandon signs, then this, this is the place for you to come uh, have a light nosh and, uh, and really get to know uh, the, the new community that's, that's sprouting up around here. Yes, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Alec, uh, what's next for you? Are you running for office? Are you, are you going to school? What's, what's next in, in the life of uh, AWS? I am trying to find a job, like a paralegal position, something like that. Um, my goal has always been to be an attorney, um, but I, I really want to get some like work experience under my belt in a law office or possibly like as a secretary to a judge or something like that. Anything that'll just teach me more about law and the system so that I can dismantle it. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. You love to hear it. You love to see it. Alec, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I've really enjoyed having you. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. If you enjoy the show, please rate, subscribe, and share it with your friends and your enemies. And be sure to come back in two weeks where uh, Pele will be back. Uh, and uh, he is going to interview someone that has been to the People's Action National Convention in DC. Uh, we're very excited about it and uh, we hope to learn a lot, figure out what we're gonna bring back and, and take it with us. Uh, until then, uh, this is your uh, temporary host, Dr. Ashley Strange, and don't forget, Pennsylvania is for all of us. We will see you in the streets. <laughs>